Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot of good things have come out about the hydroxy. A lot of good things have come out. And you'd be surprised at how many people are taking it, especially the frontline workers. I happen to be taking it. I happen to be taking it. Because I think it's good. I've heard a lot of good stories. And if it's not good, I'll tell you right. I'm not going to get hurt by it. So I'm taking the two, the zinc and the hydroxy. And all I can tell you is, so far, I seem to be okay. That, of course, President Trump yesterday telling reporters that he's been taking a malaria drug as a preventative measure against coronavirus. An unproven treatment experts say could actually have dangerous side effects. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN Washington correspondent Ryan Nobles in again for David Chalian. And this is The Daily D.C. Another grim milestone in the coronavirus fight. The U.S. yesterday topping 1.5 million cases and 90,000 deaths. But the focus at the White House yesterday was on President Trump's latest muddying of the medical waters, the latest in a series of distractions, conspiracy theories, and clear attempts to change the subject to emerge from the West Wing. To break down all this, we're going to be joined today by White House reporter Stephen Collinson. He'll join us in a few minutes. But first, for more on the president and his conspiracy theories is our fact checker, Daniel Dale, who is always very busy. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's talk now about President Trump and this claim that he kind of just threw out out of the blue yesterday that he is taking this malaria drug called hydroxychloroquine. Very impressed with myself that I got that pronunciation correct on the first (laughs) attempt, which is, of course, an unproven preventative treatment for coronavirus with serious potential side effects. Daniel, this is something that a lot of right-wing media commentators have been promoting as kind of a a magic cure-all to a certain extent uh, to fight the coronavirus. something the president himself has touted for quite some time. But what can you tell us? What are the facts about the studies that have been done on this drug's effectiveness? So there are a whole bunch of studies, and you have to forgive me if I miss one or two because they're coming out from around the world. But in general, the major studies that we've reported on have shown that hydroxychloroquine has not had a significantly positive effect in treating patients who are infected with the coronavirus. Some of the studies have suggested that there may even be harm. For example, there was a study of patients at the VA, veterans, that found a significantly higher death rate among people who did take the drug than people who didn't. We had another US study that found that while the death rates were similar, there was a significantly higher rate of cardiac arrest for people who had taken the drug. I should caution that there are a whole bunch of studies still underway. We still have a lot to learn about this drug. So this is not me definitively saying it doesn't work or it's, it's going to kill a whole bunch of people. But, but it is clear at this point that we do not have hard evidence that it is effective or that it is safe for coronavirus patients. And I would assume that the lack of studies associated with the drug's effectiveness would mean that maybe it's not a good idea for the president of the United States to be using it, particularly as a preventative measure? What do the studies tell us about that? 
Yeah, we do not have evidence that this works to prevent coronavirus infections. It just doesn't exist. Now, Trump's argument has been that this drug has been previously approved for other purposes, for malaria, for arthritis, and for lupus. And therefore, we know it's not going to kill you if you take it for this purpose, for COVID. But that's not true for everyone. You know, if the FDA itself has warned of significant safety risk for people taking it for the coronavirus, so just because it's been around for decades for other stuff doesn't mean it's necessarily safe for everyone here. As Daniel is outlining, there's no significant you know, scientific evidence that there is any effective treatment for coronavirus or preventive measures for coronavirus with hydroxychloroquine. But still, Daniel, the president of the United States saying that he himself is taking this drug, what does that worry you about as a fact checker? Well, I'd say, you know, as a fact checker, I'm not usually providing facts that could save someone from significant harm. You know, I'm not usually trying to deter significant harm. I'm trying to get people information. But in this case, the president keeps saying what I just said, that we know it's safe for use for the coronavirus because it's been around. And it, it worries me as a human being more than a fact checker that you know people who trust the president will accept that when we know that's not true. And, you know, uh, we know there's FDA warnings, we know there's all these studies, but the fact is that the president has a much bigger megaphone than the FDA or scientists who are publishing studies. So it concerns me, number one, that people are going to take something that may not be safe for them. And then number two, we've had reporting at CNN from my colleague Marshall Cohen and others about how the president's promotion of this drug has led to shortages for people who do need it because it's proven essential for their ailments. And so I'm, you know, concerned that the president's saying, he's taking it now, that's more than promoting it, will cause inadvertent harm to other patients. Yeah, there's no doubt that the weight and the actions of a president really have a huge impact on the way that average Americans conduct their own behavior because the president has such an important bully pulpit. Now, you did a great video online. Everybody should check it out. It's on your Twitter page. I'll retweet it as well where you discuss what you call President Trump's signature dishonesty patterns. How do the president's efforts to distract from the virus response, whether it's his conspiracy theory about President Obama or blaming his predecessor going after China or even this pronouncement about this particular drug, how does that fit this pattern that you've outlined? Well, he, he has a whole bunch of patterns. I think this stuff fits with a, a couple of them. One is what I called in, in that video, the twist and shout. So he'll take a kernel of truth and he'll twist it beyond recognition and then he'll shout that inaccurate twisted version very loudly and drown out you know, whatever truth was underlying it. So here, you know, with Obama, with the FBI, you know, we do have concerns from inspectors general, for example, about FBI errors, sloppiness. You know, there are issues with how the FBI conducted the Russia investigation. Trump, because he's Trump, turns that into an Obama criminal conspiracy. He's a dishonesty maximalist. You know, the biggest possible version of the claim is the one that Trump promotes. And then I think with hydroxychloroquine, he's not someone bound by evidence on anything. He's proud of how he goes with his gut. He's talked about how he goes with his gut over his brain. And he goes with sources that he trusts, maybe because they appeared on Fox News, even if they're not objectively the best sources. Yeah. All right. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you. And we're going to be right back with more on this particular topic with White House reporter Stephen Collinson. You're listening to The Daily DC.
We're back now with CNN White House reporter Stephen Collinson, who's written a lot of great pieces about the president and his messaging over the past few weeks. Stephen, let's start with where things stand right now. We talked about this earlier in the podcast. We've just crossed 1.5 million cases of coronavirus, 90,000 deaths. And here the president is out there talking about this unproven drug. From your vantage point, what exactly is happening here? I think, Ryan, there's a couple of things going on. First of all, Obviously, we have this tragic backdrop that you mentioned, and the country now is transitioning from trying to beat this virus to trying to live with it and all the political implications of that. Now, the president, of course, operates in a very scattershot manner. We've seen him try and distract from his own handling of the virus for the last several weeks. And in some ways, this hydroxychloroquine issue is part of that. But I think it also tells us something very interesting about the president himself. As Daniel was saying, he comes from a very conspiratorial mindset. I think he actually wants to believe that this treatment works. He's invested a lot in it politically. It would suit him perfectly if a study came along and said that, well, actually uh, hydroxychloroquine does prevent coronavirus developing into COVID-19. That would be a massive political win for the president. There's something else here as well, though, and I think it perhaps gets to the sense of the president's own vulnerability. He said he started taking this drug a week and a half ago. That was about the same time as we had those revelations that the coronavirus had actually penetrated into the West Wing. A valet of the president, a spokeswoman for Vice President Mike Pence were diagnosed with the virus. If the president and his doctor have decided that It's worth the risk for him to take this drug, that the chances of side effects are in fact less than the chance of him getting very sick or potentially dying if he were infected with the coronavirus, given that, you know, he's in a high-risk group in his 70s, perhaps a little overweight and with a history of heart disease. I think that says something very profound about exactly where we are and the vulnerability of everyone, not least the President of the United States, to infection. You know, it's interesting you point out, Stephen, he obviously has to have some level of concern about his risk of exposure given uh, the number of people in the West Wing that have tested positive for coronavirus. But yet he seems to ignore all these basic prevention techniques that his own administration is promoting. For instance, uh, you know, not shaking hands. He has yet to wear a mask. And now he's touting this malaria drug, which, you know, even the FDA has warned about. Why is he making such a stand with his personal health and why is he doing it in this form and fashion? I think a lot of this is down to politics and the president's character. First of all, it's clear that the president wants to get the country moving as quickly as possible, notwithstanding the huge economic toll and the need to get, you know, 30 million Americans back to work. Some kind of economic rebound may be the golden key to his re-election. So he's really wanting to move us from this period of lockdown and no economic activity to some kind of return to normality. That's one reason why why he is constantly downplaying the threat of a resurgence of the violence. He's basically saying the country is safe to open up. But then we get to the president's own political profile. One of the most interesting things about this commander-in-chief is that he ran as an outsider. And a lot of people believe that where the weight of the presidency was on his shoulders, he would change. He would change his style to fit the traditional perceptions of how a president will behave. 
he sees his route to re-election as keeping that bond with his political base that voted for him because he was an anti-establishment insurgent outsider. He is showing by not wearing a mask that he stands with all those Americans in the heartland who don't believe establishment scientists like Dr. Anthony Fauci, who believe that, first of all, this whole coronavirus issue is something that affects big liberal cities on the coasts, much less in the country. But it's a philosophical thing. He's showing people that he's not one of those people, that even though he is the head of the government that shut the economy down, He is trying to play both sides, which is kind of ironic because that's exactly what last week accused Dr. Anthony Fauci of trying to do. Yeah, it's incredible mixed messaging to have, you know, his government issue these warnings for folks telling them that they should be wearing masks in public all the time. But yet the president himself, who's put himself in a number of different public settings, when we know that he has at least been in the same room with folks that have been diagnosed with coronavirus to still basically ignore that guidance is just a very interesting issue between these two sides. Now, you actually wrote a great piece about how, you know, the administration, the president himself has actually kept his own health under wraps throughout his presidency, not just during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, You know, we all remember back during the campaign when he had his eccentric doctor issue a one-page letter just talking wonderfully about his health status. I mean, tell us more about the broader implications about a person who is as important as President Trump not being fully transparent about his health. Right. This is not just a normal citizen deciding to take hydroxychloroquine. This is the presence of the United States. There are serious national security implications always with the president's health, which is one reason why White Houses often go above and beyond in giving information about a president's annual physicals, for example. That dates back, I think, in many ways to the presidency of Ronald Reagan, when there were a lot of questions about whether Reagan, after he was shot, and then with various ailments throughout his second term, was actually fit to hold the office of the presidency in many cases. So this White House, of course, in line with the president's desire to prevent transparency has been very sparing with those details. When the president had his first annual physical, there was that rather strange news conference with Ronnie Jackson, who was then the White House physician, who basically gave him a glowing bill of health, even though the results of the exam did show that the president suffers from a common form of heart disease, which is not unusual in a man of his age and physicality. But the White House has, you know, really not been keen to get about details. There was an interesting occasion last year the weekend when the president made an announced visit to hospital, which caused a great deal of mystery. The White House at that point came out rather unconvincingly saying that he had a spare afternoon and he just decided to get a jump on half of his annual physical. So, you know, there are many, many questions about the president's health. If the president is taking a drug that the FDA says is dangerous, that's not just an issue for him. It's an issue for the country and could ultimately, you know, impinge on his performance. These are real questions and they also have push the White House physician into a difficult position. His professional skill and his professional ethics in prescribing this drug, apparently at the urging of the president against FDA recommendations also raises all sorts of questions about the quality of the medical care that the president is getting. And that is an issue for the country, uh, just President Trump. So, Stephen, I want you to listen to what House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told CNN last night about the president's decision to start taking this drug. Take a listen. He's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientists, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. So 
I, I, uh, I, I think it was, it's not a good idea. I imagine, Stephen, this is one of those moments where you'd want to be a fly on the wall when uh, President Trump is watching Nancy Pelosi make these comments to see what his reaction is in the moment, because he already uh, does not think too kindly of Nancy Pelosi. And to hear her describe him as morbidly obese uh, must not have been met uh, with a very kind response. Was it appropriate for the Speaker of the House to declare President Trump morbidly obese? Did that really do anything to further this conversation? Well, it didn't do anything, obviously, for the civility of politics in the United States. And I think it's testimony to the absolutely fractured relationship between the president and the speaker, which was only worsened by the whole impeachment saga. I think had the president said something about that to his opponents, there would be an uproar. But of course, the president says things like that about his opponents all the time. So, you know, I don't think we should lose too much sleep on that. I think... What this does show, of course, is the way in which the speaker constantly tweaks the president, tries to get under his skin. Of all the Washington power brokers, she has been the most successful, I think, in annoying the president, getting him to react in a very angry manner. There have been a number of showdowns between them, personal showdowns. We have the kind of theater of the State of the Union addresses where Nancy Pelosi has fake clapped the president and tore up his speech at the end of his last appearance in the House. So you can see there is a great deal of bad blood between them. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things about this crisis is that despite that, the White House and the Democratic House majority on the issue of crucial economic recovery legislation have been able to work together. That's largely due to the efforts of the Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin. I can't remember, uh, and going back into history, I think we have to go a long way back to find such a publicly uh, vicious relationship between a President of the United States and the House Speaker. You described that perfectly. This is just what has become the norm, and it shows. It's just one example of the toxic relationship between those two important leaders and why it's difficult for them to get a lot accomplished. So, Stephen Collinson, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, first of all, please do and let us know what you think about what we talked about today. And when you do so, use the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe, stay healthy. I'm Ryan Nobles in for David Chalian, and we will see you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.